0: Welcome to the podcast. Let the prophets speak. Today we continue our study of the first book of Kings, that is Melachim Aleph, chapter nineteen, Perak Yotes. This is Saul Weinreb, the host of your of this podcast. It's a pleasure to be here as we continue to study this work. Today we um, continue off where we we continue where we left off, which was at the end of the dramatic events that occurred on Har Carmel on Mount Carmel, where Eliyahu proved the uh, um, truth of God over the Avodah over the idol Baal, and uh, the people accepted God upon themselves, and Eliyahu triumphantly accompanied the king back to the king's palace. Immediately afterwards, Eliyahu is about to learn why what seemed to be a success was actually a failure and why and how God is going to explain to Eliyahu where he went wrong and what the problem is so God brought rain but it wasn't in the way he wanted God wanted Eliyahu to join Ahab and bring him closer to God and bring him and lead the people back to God but instead what Eliyahu did was perform a spectacle and kill all of the prophets of Baal in a very zealous and violent way. And immediately that drew, draw, drew a counter-reaction. Because when someone acts in this way, what's going to happen, rather than convincing the people, rather than drawing them close with, with, with kind words, with helping the way Ovad Yahu was doing, right? the counter-reaction is immediate and swift. by Yaged Ahav Achav told Jezebel, his wife, everything that Eliyahu had done, the ace, and of course, the fact that he had killed all of the prophets of Baal, it says the prophets, but obviously it's referring to the prophets of Baal, by the sword. Immediately, Jezebel's reaction was not to come back to God. This is not the way people are. Not to abandon Baal, despite the proof, despite the grand proof that had just occurred. Immediately, what does she do? Ezebel <speaking in Hebrew> <speaking in Hebrew> went and sent a messenger, and key in on this word here, malach. Malach is often translated as angel, but here clearly, it is the word actually means messenger, okay? Uh, and um, you'll understand in a few verses from now why I'm making this point. So Ezevel sent a malach, a messenger, el- Eliyahu, to Eliahu, Elijah Lamar saying as follows. Ko Elohim um so shall do the ga- god. And remember she pr- purposely uses the word Elohim here because in her mind that there's there's gods, right? And Elohim is not using the 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 four letter word that's usually associated with the the true God with a capital G She says So shall they do And so shall they do even more In other words By the power of the gods Is like what she's saying That by this time tomorrow I am going to make your life Just like the lives of the prophets That you had killed In other words I am going to put you to death So interestingly And a lot of people point this out That why didn't she have him killed right away? having this is the queen it's almost as if she's giving him a chance to escape that's the sense that one gets that maybe and this is totally conjecture but it it just kind of fits that in the back of her mind she's afraid of course of the power of this mighty god who pulled off this mighty spectacle on the other hand she's not convinced enough to go and follow the one god in her she's still a pagan a polytheist to her core and she still, you know, believes in the power of all of these gods, and she therefore says to him, I will kill you, because she was enraged by how he had slaughtered all of the prophets that were loyal to her before. Um, but she still gives him a little out, a little escape. So immediately, Eliyahu gets the message, Vayar v'yokom v'yelech el Nafsho. He was afraid, and he gets up, and he goes to save his life. He flees, he flees in El Nafsho in order to save his life. And logically, where his best place for escape would be to go to the southern kingdom of Judah, where presumably he would find peace and refuge. And he left his 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 young servant, the person who had been accompanying him, out uh, there. So one would imagine that Eliyahu can live peacefully in Yehuda. I mean, Yehuda was the a natural enemy of the north, uh, escaping the king of the north to the south, especially being that he is loyal to God, which is God who is being served in the land of Judah, uh, in the temple in Jerusalem and so on. One would think he can find peace and refuge there. However, he doesn't stay among the people there, but rather, Behu halach b'amidbar derech yom. He, after leaving his assistant, he goes and wanders into the wilderness a, a, day's, a, 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 a day's trip, a day-long trip into the wilderness. Now, if I um, to is reminded here of Ovadiyahu's statement in the last chapter that we read together in the beginning of chapter 18, you're just going to disappear off to in your spiritual land with your God somewhere. Who knows where you're going to go. Eliyahu seems to have this habit of going away from people and finding God in the wilderness, and fi- which which is a spiritual path, but it's not the spiritual path that God wants His prophets to go on. God wants His prophets to stay among the people so that they can bring them and teach them and bring them closer to God. Viavo, and he came to a place in the desert. Vayeshev tachas rotem echad, and he settled down underneath some sort of a rotem, which is a some kind of a. a Uh, a a bush or tree uh, that that has thick branches and he just wanted to die he asked that i should just die because he had done everything he thought he could do he brought punishment upon the people he brought um he he brought the miracle the sign that people needed I, i i really i can't help but emphasize if you talk to people about God, one of the big questions people always constantly ask is Well, if God was here, why doesn't He show me a sign? If He showed me a sign, then I'll believe. Okay, well, Elio did that. He showed them the sign. You know, how come, you know, if people, you know, if, if, why, why is, why is it that, you know, I'm such a bad guy? I don't keep any of God's commandments, but I'm doing fine. I have a job. I, I'm doing fine. Well, I punished them. I brought hunger. I brought, and and the people still didn't turn around. It's just nothing working. All of my signs, all of my fire and brimstone is taking me nowhere. So by Yomer, and he says, Rav He said, It's enough. Now, God, just take my life. I am no better than any of the people that preceded me. I am no better than any of my my predecessors. The um the the in other words, I'm I'm just Like anyone else, Um, I, I, you know, just take my life. This is an incredible uh, depression that he entered into, and Elio still didn't get the message. And God is about to teach him the message. So he lays down and he falls asleep underneath a certain uh, tree. And this angel, or this malach, this messenger, was touching him. It's very conspicuously using the same word that Izebel sent a malach to go and get Eliyahu, actually and transmit the message to Eliyahu that he was to be put to death. And now the same word being used, a malach touches him by lo and says to him, Kum echol, get up and eat. Now, this messenger, it, you almost get the sense that it's the same guy the Izevil presumably sends someone who, who knows how to do some tracking, who knows how to find the Leo. And, and now this Malach is, and now obviously I can't prove that, this is just you get that feeling. But if it's not the same guy, you get the same idea. That a Malach, a messenger, could be someone who is coming to deliver a message of doom, a message of destruction. And here you have a Malach, a messenger, a person, coming to deliver a message of of peace, a message of encouragement. So he looks, and he sees at his head, If you recall, several chapters ago, we mentioned that Eliyahu, God showed Eliyahu the importance of relying upon simple people. He needed to rely on the merchants when he was stuck by the spring all the way back. He needed to rely on an old widow, right? On the kindness of human beings, and that was part of the message that we've been, we I've been emphasizing that God is trying to teach Eliyahu the way to get to people's hearts is through soft kindness, through simple acts of goodness, through helping someone when they're hungry. Now, someone, and I'm deliberately not translating this as an angel because I think I believe that the verse uses the word malach specifically twice in two different contexts, several verses apart, in order to emphasize that this is not an angel, but rather this is a human being who was walking by and saw a hungry man and and tapped him on the shoulder and gave him some food. Um, in order to emphasize to Eliyahu the importance of these kinds of acts of kindness that go so much farther than bringing fire from the sky on the top of a mountain or or, or, or declaring years of famine and and, and suffering, etc., and all the fire and brimstone that Eliyahu had attempted. So he saw there a, a Ugas Ritzafim, some kind of a cake that had been, Reis um, fei uh, refers to some kind of a, uh, you know, that's cooked on coals, uh, you know, baked on hot coals, Vitzapachat Mayim, and, uh, and a, a jug of water. Bayocha and he ate the cake and he drank the water Bayoshev, and then he went back, vayishkov, and lay down again. Now with a full belly, malach adunoi And the messenger of God came back again and touched him. Now it emphasizes that this malach is a messenger of God. Again, this is often translated in many of the translations as an angel, but I think specifically the first time he was mentioned, it just calls him a messenger. Now it is specifying, in, o- in other words, that you should know that this Malach is just like the first Malach, who was the Malach of, that Ezebel had sent, who was clearly a human being. The second Malach was a person that was walking by. And now it's emphasizing that this, that it, the lesson that we should learn, which is that this person, this messenger, even though he's just a person walking by, is in fact a messenger of God, right? Trying to teach Eliyahu a lesson. He might be a human being that's walking on two feet and, and with two arms, etc. But this is a messenger of God who comes back again by and touches him by Kuma Kumachol and he says to him, No, get up again, eat again. You've been traveling for a long way. Um, and, and it's, and it's um, uh, it, it could also be translated, Kirav Mimcha. Be, that the the, the the way is long and you'll need energy for the for the trip and he gets up and he eats and he drinks again and now because he had the second the second meal he had plenty of food he was able to walk with that strength for 40 days here you have a person for 40 days and 40 nights he goes on a long trip until he gets to the mountain of Chorev which is, of course, another name for for mountain of Sinai. So he goes back to the place where the Jewish people gathered many years prior in order to receive the Torah. So it's a 40-day journey from where this, from where the desert, from the desert near Beer Sheva. He takes a 40-day trip by foot and reaches there. Now here you have a person who before was begging to die, was depressed was dejected, was uh, literally giving up on everything, but now that he received this help and the sustenance, he was had the strength to get up and take such a long and arduous journey. And he gets there to the cave. Um, now, when it ever points out the Ma'ara, it makes one think of the witch cave. Uh, the, the, there's there's like something special about this cave. And of course... The commentaries associate this with the place where uh, where Moshe, Rabbeinu, where Moses sat, uh, stood before God with God on the top of Sinai, and God said, "I will place you in, the, in a crack, in a in a rock." This the assumption is that this Marah is that one, regardless of whether it is that one or not. It's certainly trying. The verse here is trying to give us that image. Of Eliyahu going back to Sinai, going back to the place where God received the, God gave the people the Torah. Now, it, obviously, there's been a huge amount of symbolism. Number one, Eliyahu went there, right? We'd, we're told, all we, for, 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 for all we know, it's, it's, it would seem that he went there on his own. Nobody told him where, what his destination was. At least, we're not told anything about anyone telling him where to go. He went there, presumably. Because he wanted to find God. He wanted to find the truth. And Eliyahu, true to his pattern, goes to mountaintops, goes to faraway places where he seeks solitude in nature, etc. So that, this was a logical place for him to go, hoping that there he will have some insight, maybe an encounter with God that will teach him what he's supposed to do, what did he do wrong Eliyahu at this point has no idea what could I possibly have done wrong what mistake could I possibly have made when he gets there he he, he rests there and the word God spoke to him and said to him what are you doing here Eliyahu so this further strengthens the point that I just made that he was never told to come here he went there because he was seeking an answer. He was seeking an answer, what did I do wrong? And let's see, will Eliyahu learn his lesson or not? By Yomer, Eliyahu immediately said, I was vengeful and, and, and zealous for, in order, for the sake of God, the Lord of hosts. In other words, I acted with tremendous zeal and power and strength and, 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 and because I wanted to defend the honor of God. Because your people of Israel, they have broken, they have abandoned your covenant. The covenant which was made right here. They destroyed the altars that were built for you. And they killed your... Prophets, it's it's so ironic because Eliyahu, had he stayed with Achav like he was supposed to originally and never wandered in the wilderness and stayed with Obadiahu, who managed to save a hundred of them, it's theoretically plausible that Eliyahu might have saved even more had he been there helping him. But now he's angry. They killed your your Nevi'im, your prophets. And I alone am left. And now, where am I? They're looking for me to kill me. So again, Elio says, I am alone. Why is elio saying he's alone? We saw that there was Ovad We saw that Ovad had at least 100 prophets of God. And we're going to see soon in, in upcoming chapters that there were several other cha- prophets of God in the court of, of, of Achav. But in Elio's mind, he's alone because he's the only one who's fighting the fight. All of them are are almost maybe traitors in his eyes. They're, they're, they're still sitting in, in that house, that corrupt house of Ahab, but he's the only one that's fighting the fight. So in Elio's mind, he truly is alone. So now here's God's answer. In one of the most powerful, powerful um, uh, prophecies in the entire Tanakh, which we're about to read, Vayomer, and he said, Say, go out of the cave. And I want you to stand on this mountain before God. And certainly, when he went out, God was passing. So Elio saw some sort of image or representation in his mind when he saw this vision of God passing. And there was a great and strong and powerful wind, which was smashing mountains, and it was smashing huge rocks that, that were before God. So as God was coming, but before him there was this this tornado, so to speak, this incredibly powerful wind that just smashed everything in its path. However, God was not in that powerful tornado, that powerful wind. God was not there. And then after the 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 wind and the tornado came, rash, there was an earthquake and the ground was shaking. However, Lova Rash Adonai, God was not in that earthquake. V'achar ha'rash, rash and after the, the rash there was ish, there was a huge fire, a massive forest fire with raging flames. But Lova Ish Adonai, but God was not in the raging flames. V'achar ish, and after the flames called the Mama dako, there was a soft, quiet sound. And that is where God was. In the soft, quiet sound. And it was when Eliyahu heard that sound. Immediately he sensed that that's where God is. And he immediately wrapped his his uh, cloak around his face, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave, and there was a voice speaking to him, and the voice said, What are you doing here, Eliyahu? Now this is the point where Eliyahu should have gotten the message. And at this point, Eliyahu should have should have understood what his job was to be, and I want to read to you the words of the Malbim. Malbim was one of the famous commentaries, and he writes so beautifully here that I'm going to read to you. Um, I'll read the English translation. This translation was done by um, Alex Israel in his Magid Studies in Tanakh book on this on the, on Kings One. But. Um, uh, so I'm, I just wanted to make sure to give credit where credit is due. But you can read the album in the original Hebrew for sure. So God had showed him that God is to be found not in the wind, earthquake, and fire, but only in the voice of silence. And from this, his messengers should learn the lesson not to make a loud noise or burn like fire as did Elijah in his zeal for God, in his cessation of the rain, and in his execution of the prophets of Baal. Rather, God sends his messengers to approach the people with a quiet voice, to persuade the nation with bonds of love and gentle words. These are the messages God has been trying over and over and over again to teach Eliyahu. Will Eliyahu get this message? So God asks, as I just read back to the verses, Malachofo Eliyahu, what are you doing here? Eliyahu again still doesn't get it. Vayomer, and he answers almost verbatim what he said before he saw that vision. I am overcome with, 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 with vengeance and zeal for God, the Lord of hosts. Because the people of Israel, they abandoned your covenant. They destroyed your, your, your um, altars. And your prophets, they killed And by the sword, and I am here alone. And all I am is uh, running for my life because they're searching for me to kill me. Eliyahu again doesn't get the message, doesn't understand, doesn't get it. Is it because he doesn't get the message, or is it because in his nature he's the kind of person who simply that is how he feels he has to deal with God? Some people are just that way. But regardless of what it is, despite seeing the message that God was trying to instruct him, the mistakes you've been making all along, he still doesn't get it, even here, even being shown this vision, this incredible vision at this point. At this point, God realizes, so to speak, to the extent that God realizes things, um, uh, that Eliyahu is the wrong man for the job. So God gives him a few... few, um, a few, uh, um, a few uh, jobs, right, and uh, and just just a, a quick. Uh, I want to say that at this point, God is going to um, you give him just a few more things to do, and he's going to take Eliyahu away as the prophet and have him hire someone else instead. The uh, in the words of of, of the Malbim again. When in in a few verses from now, I'm going to read where God takes Eliyahu, um, you know, takes him away from his position as prophet and has him handed over to his, uh, to the one who was to succeed him, Elisha. God says that, I mean, sorry, Malvin explains that um, because he expressed his desire not to return to prophecy, right, he commanded him to anoint Elisha. Because he repeated that he could not abandon the way of zeal for God, he was zealous for God's name, right? In other words, when God was asking him, "What are you doing here, Elijah?" Uh, the words of the Malbim, why he explains it the way I explained it to you, why do you not return to your prophetic mission in guiding the nation without zeal and turbulence? In other words, why did you come back to the cave, get the message, and go back and get rid of this 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 the zeal and vengeance, right? But no, he couldn't do it. And therefore, God had to take Eliyahu away from his position. What A couple ending jobs here that Eliyahu Eliyahu is going to be given. By Yomar Adonai love, God said to him, Go back on your path and travel through the wilderness. In other words, you know what? You don't get it, so just stick around in the wilderness. Take travel towards Damascus. And when you get there, I want you to uh, anoint and appoint Chazoel as king over Aram. Aram is one of the northern kingdom especially uh, uh, biggest enemies. And, um, and uh, I want you to anoint Chazoel as king. We'll see later as this plays out that Elio never actually fulfills this mission, but it's done by his, his uh, student Elisha. And Chazoel is going to be one of the seeds of destruction what God is saying over here, really, it's it's interesting, is he's saying to Eliyahu that destruction of the northern kingdom, those things happen, but they don't happen because you, as the prophet, declare declare a, a rav, declare a hunger, declare a famine. They happen because it's the natural consequence of what happens, and that's the way God runs his world. Punishment will come. You don't need to have the zeal. You're supposed to stay there and teach them the right path. But now, you know, go ahead and anoint Chazoel because as we'll see later as we study together in future chapters, that Chazoel will eventually be the downfall of, of, um, of the northern kingdom uh, and, and will be a, an instrument of punishment for the people that had abandoned God. As Yehu van Nimshi and Yehu the son of Nimshi, Timshach lumelech I want you to anoint him as king over the people of Israel, in other words, the northern kingdom. Um, which also Eliyahu is not going to actually do, and Yehu ben Nimshi is going to be the downfall of Achav of the house of Achav. He's going to end up taking over as the uh, he's going to overthrow the house of Ahab when as by when he kills Ahab's son, and he's going to eventually take over the Northern Kingdom. In other words, punishment will come to the people for abandoning God. Punishment will come to the kings, but it will not be through you, but it will be through the external other messengers that happen. Through their natural consequences, but that's not the job of the prophet. That Elisha ben Shafat and and here's the the main point here, and Elisha, the son of Shafat, may Avel who lives in a place called Avel Mucholah, Timshach leNavi Tachtacha. He you shall anoint as the prophet instead of you. In other words, you're done. You haven't fulfilled your mission. And what's going to happen in the end, the punishment will come because whoever gets saved by the sword, uh, uh, saved from the sword of Chazoel, when Chazoel comes with the Aramean army and destroys the northern kingdom, those that save Yamis Yehu will end up dying at the hands of, of Yehu as he, as he um, attacks and takes over the northern kingdom. And those that die from Ye- that, that are saved from the sword of Yehu, Yomis Elisha will end up dying at the hands of Elisha, meaning the um, uh, uh, the uh, the people that protested. We'll see in Elisha's story that uh, the those that protested his prophecies of God ended up uh, suffering a, a bad fate. Vihisharti, we'll get to that later you know, in several chapters from now. Israel And only 7,000 people of Israel will be left. The ones that will be left will be the ones that did not bow to Baal. And every mouth that did not kiss Baal. So in other words, I will take care of justice. That's not your job. This is so important. It is not your job to be... The one who decides how people suffer, when people suffer, who gets punished. Your job is not to mete out justice. That's my job, God says. And that will happen. So you don't need to have zeal for me and to kill people for me. I can take care of that myself. Right? Your job is to bring the people closer to me. The kol misham. So what did he do? He went from there Um uh, and Elisha ben Shafat and he found Elisha the son of Shafat And where did he find Elisha? Vuhu he was plowing with uh, twelve um, teams of oxen before him. and he was with the twelfth. You get the sense of Elisha working with other people, to you know, working with everyone with a team of oxen, working his field as a farmer. Um, you know a very different image that one gets when one thinks about elioho and the image of the ascetic the the holy man on the mountain love and elio passed over to him and he put his cloak over elisha and what did uh, elisha react he said vayazova tabakkar when he gets this honor from the prophet he leaves his cattle and he runs after elio and he says he says to elio wait wait i'm not I'm not ready to go with you yet to be a student and a prophet. I want to go and kiss my father and my mother. Goodbye. And then I can go and be your student and take over, you know, and, and learn to be a prophet. Go ahead, sure, go back. Because what have I done to you? In other words, um, you know, I'm not here to, to hurt you. I'm here to to give you this this mission and to teach you on your way of being a prophet. So of course you you have this image of a a man who loves his family, who works with his colleagues in the field, and he went, uh, he left Eliyahu, he turned back to go back to his family, and he took the group of oxen that, that he was using to plow before, and he slaughtered them, and he used the, the, um, the wood, in order to cook the meat, and he made a big feast for everyone, and they all ate. So he, a person who loves his family, he wants to say goodbye to his parents, a person who who makes a feast for all of his friends, right? And then after that, after saying a proper goodbye, he went after Eliyahu, and he served Eliyahu to learn from him about God in order to be able to take on his new mission. This, concludes the um, uh, chapter 19. And from here we see Eliyahu um, just simply not getting the message. Eliyahu needed to step down. And uh, we see his student by his side, Elisha, who we are going to learn a lot about his career as it goes on. And uh, as we hit chapter 20, we're going to leave Eliyahu aside for a little bit and focus on Ahab and what happens in the court of Ahab, and his wars and battles, etc., which we will study together soon, God willing. Thank you so much for studying chapter 19 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 20 and the rest of this wonderful, incredible book together. Have a wonderful day.